0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the January episode of Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is Max. And, and uh, my name is Josh. And we're here with the fantastic Suzanne uh, Waghorst. you want to say hello? Hi, Max. Hi, Josh. And uh, Suzanne is the owner of a club here in Seattle called Egan's Ballard Jam House. And uh, we're going to kind of talk about that and its relationship to the scene today.
1: But before we get started,
0: if you want to find out more news about
1: our podcast, you can find us at on Facebook at Jazz Talk Seattle. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all the usual places, and uh, feel
0: free, feel free to subscribe and leave a comment. And yeah, awesome. Yeah. So why don't we just get started with uh, kind of the history of how Egan's came to be? Can you just talk a little bit about? how
2: and why it it started sure um so back in uh, fall of 2005 um i was still working at the hit lab which is the human interface technology lab at the university of washington doing virtual reality research and thinking i was going to keep doing that for a while but (laughs) uh my son who is a jazz sax player uh was supposed to be doing a show at uh, the penny cafe which is down on market street in ballard and he said hey they're not answering the phone what's going on so i uh said well i'm going for a walk i'll check it out so i walk down there and i see that there is a uh that they're closed and there's a for lease sign on the on the uh on the place on the cafe and uh, I run into the guy next door who tells me that the owner of the building is in town, and yes, it's for lease, and I get this harebrained idea. Actually, it's, it's a longer story than that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, that the, the younger musicians in town needed a place where they could do combo work and not just big band work because a lot of them were in the uh, school jazz bands where they were going to Ellington and doing... Uh, lots of great uh, big band work and doing those kinds of solos, but not necessarily learning how to play off each other, that kind of thing. So, uh, so I thought, okay, well maybe we'll just have a little, a, a little club here. And initially, I thought it would be just you know paper plates and <laughs> and cookies, you know, and it just kept uh, evolving and became this regular club and uh, so what we did was we uh, were licensed as a restaurant so that we could serve liquor but also have uh, underage uh, patrons in and mainly we wanted underage musicians to be able to come in and listen to and maybe even sit in with some of the the pros out there in town um, so that was our, our, our mission and it's kind of uh, uh, continued to this day we get a lot of younger musicians that play but we've also uh, expanded out to other genres as you may know it's really hard to do a strictly jazz club these days but uh mm-hmm. we probably do uh, 70% jazz I'd say that is very cool uh, and when exactly did that start again uh, July of 06
0: 06 for sure yeah
1: <laughs> That's really awesome. Uh Egan's to me is such a a pillar of a venue in the Seattle jazz community in oh, in, in my you. opinion. There's there's so many important things that happen there. Um just um there's always a good showing of local musicians who play and who come out and it's I really enjoy that as a community. Uh for me that like my history with Egan's goes back Um, quite a ways too. I played my first ever gig in Seattle at Egan's in 2009. Okay, yeah, and that was with a drummer-led quintet, the Peter Schmeckley Quintet. Oh, yeah, and I remember being pretty intimidated playing this thing. (laughs) Uh, A buddy of mine, Andy Short, was playing bass on that gig too, and we still play together regularly. Although he mostly plays guitar these days. And um, back then, I don't know if you still do this, there was a a bench on the outside. Uh-huh, that, I was going to
2: ask about those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the benches. You know, we did that for five years. We thought, oh, we're going to do this every year. But, you know, uh-huh. you don't think about what ten benches on the right? For sure. So after five, we decided to not to. But, uh, yeah, we had all the musicians sign sign the bench each right. year. And it's really... a. A treat to look at all those signatures now um, for sure and lots of them still come back uh, a lot of them were playing in high school at the time and now they're graduated from college and off to New York or wherever they are or even in Seattle uh, and um, lots of them are doing other stuff and some of them unfortunately have have also passed away there's all kinds of life events that happen in in 12 years so um, yeah
0: yeah well i was one of those high schoolers who i kind of owe the start of my professional music career actually to egan's oh yeah uh that was one of the first places i was really playing and uh i don't think i ever played there in middle school i think it was high school and beyond um so first of all thank you for oh you're supporting that glad you were doing um definitely a key part of the seattle jazz scene um and uh i have a lot of things to talk about here but um, it's a family-run
2: business, right? Right. So yeah. who does what? Well, you know, it took us a few years to get <laughs> the formula down here. But um, So uh, there are three of us now. We, we used to have a lot of staff, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of turnover, and there's always a lot of drama. And in the last four years, we've settled into a, a, a really uh, efficient and workable routine with just three of us. Ted, my husband Ted Stickney, is he has he wears about ten different hats, uh, <laughs> but you know he's the sound guy and deals with the vendors and uh, greets people and seats them and does all kinds of stuff, puts up the marquee, changes the marquee. Heather, uh, our super duper server, you all know Heather, um, just knows the room, knows how to work it, and um, is really efficient at that, and then. For the past four years i've been running the kitchen so um and and then i help out we all are all hands on deck during the changeover routine between shows and uh we all chip in and cook the gumbo that kind of thing but uh but for the most part we've found a division of labor that works with just three people which is probably the organic way we should have started to begin with but but I was used to big budgets at the UW, and you know, <laughs> if you need something, you hire somebody to do that. Yep. But, uh, so, mm. anyway, now we're, and we changed from uh, five days a week and longer nights to just two shows a night for four nights a week. Mm. And that makes it more tolerable. Definitely. Especially as Ted and I get older. When was that change? Uh, that was four years ago. Okay. Because yeah. I remember the first year that I played was an 11 o'clock set. And back yeah. then,
1: I think there's probably state liquor laws that require that post a certain time.
2: Right. 11 o'clock's a cutoff for underage. Right. Uh, and I
1: didn't that's... know that <laughs> uh-huh. at the time. So that was my bad. Uh, I had some people come out that had to, unfortunately, get turned away and uh, head back okay. home. Uh, but
2: yeah, yeah it's always all ages now, isn't it? Well, until we, since we're only doing shows at 7 and 9 mm-hmm. um, and the 9 theoretically ends at 10.30 sometimes goes later, but mm-hmm. but we still have to get all of the underage people out by 11 which is right. usually not a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's just state liquor laws. That we have
1: to I really appreciate
2: there being a venue in Seattle
1: that is all ages like that. There are so many jazz clubs just around the world that are Uh, or around the country rather that are restricted by age and yeah i like that he considers that
0: well good it's pretty amazing also as a side note um if you ask for a heatherita you won't be disappointed (laughs) um max's favorite (laughs) maybe (laughs) (laughs) um so what has changed over i mean we've talked about some of the things over the last how many years it's been open uh Uh, well we're in our 13th year year, 12 13 yeah so we talked about who does what. That's changed. How has the? How have you noticed that the scene has changed? Oh
2: boy. Um. Well, uh. Let's see. Has the scene changed? Uh, or has it changed? Well, I'll <laughs> tell you. There's uh. And I don't know you guys. Um, uh. Since you're you're. I don't know if you're still doing teaching or anything. Oh yeah. Music teaching. Definitely. Um. One of the things that some of the old timers have pointed out to me is that. There's still an interest in high school jazz playing, but maybe less of an interest in the younger players these days in the history aspects of it and sort of, you know, knowing who did what and when and I listening completely to that stuff. Yeah. So I don't know why that is. Um, reaction, rebellion, I'm not sure.
0: The internet, social media. I mean, yeah, who
2: knows? Who knows? Uh yeah what else has changed? The neighborhood has changed, which is oh yeah, you know <laughs> one of the reasons that we keep hanging in there, even though as anyone who runs a jazz club can tell you uh, <laughs> it's not a way to make money but <laughs> but uh, with the neighborhood uh just uh exploding with condos and apartments um we're seeing more walk-ins off the street, more mm. f- foot traffic, which is great because it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the musicians to try and get their friends out. You know, we we don't want them to be stressed out about that. So gradually that that's getting a little bit better. Yeah. That's a very good
0: point.
1: Yeah, it's glad to hear a, a really optimistic uh, note on the neighborhood change in Ballard. Yeah. That's cool. Have you noticed a uh, change in the kind of music that people are bringing in or the kinds of bands that people are bringing to Egan's?
2: Um well, we get a we get quite a variety. Um you know, I mean, we've had everything from comedy nights to oh, writer coll- writers collective nights, but in terms of uh music, um you know, we get lots of singer-songwriters, um some bluegrass and sort of traditional music. Uh, the in the jazz scene I you know we still see a lot of variety which which we love you know we get uh, uh, some people are playing standards and kind of uh, renovating uh, and adding to the whole uh, bebop era which seems to be the the what a lot of local musicians gravitate to um, uh, I was hoping uh, one of the initial dreams was to have more musicians, uh, more jazz musicians uh, come and sit in on the uh, shows of other musicians the singer-songwriters, the bluegrass, whatever mm. uh, to see if we could engender some some new genres out of that mm-hmm. and uh, that's been a little bit of a disappointment, haven't seen that so much, but it, it still may happen Cool. Huh. Uh, have you been Pushing that or asking uh, people to give n- no, them a shot? Haven't done that, and and maybe we should do that. I mean, I've talked to individual musicians about it, but mm-hmm. but haven't really uh, uh, deliberately fostered that. But that that's that might be something that we should try.
1: That's really cool. Hmm. So I was doing some reading up on Egan's, as uh-huh. we both do before um, our podcast episodes, and the stranger has a description of the venue that mentioned (laughs) that it's not only a restaurant venue in the evening, but it's also a daytime community center or Uh, workshops and rehearsals. Well,
2: initially we were doing that. And so, you know, that's one problem with the internet is stuff gets out there and it stays out there. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think I've got to go edit our, our homepage too about that. But (laughs) uh, occasionally we'll do workshops, but it's, turns out that, um, if you're working full time, uh, those extra hours just, you know, are not that much fun for the staff. And so, so, um, so we basically have been sticking to evenings. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of times you start out with an idea in mind of what you're going to be doing, uh, in a, in a venture like that. And, uh, it takes some time for it to settle into what, what really works in right. the room. For instance, for a while, of, uh, for a year or so, we were trying to do lunch. Well, you guys know the club; it's really tight. It's it's like, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's closer to the sort of village vanguard knees against each other kind of yep. in tight end kind of kind of place, and that's not a place where you usually go for lunch, you know. Right. Um, so. Uh, you know you learn you live and learn uh, all these lessons but uh, we think we've got it dialed in pretty well right now we you know there are always changes that we can make but it's working
0: it's my favorite sounding room in Seattle
2: oh way. well, thank you yeah yeah the sound Uh, that was actually uh, a fortunate um, occurrence when we were doing the build-out in the main room there uh that the area where the stage was was actually a bedroom and there was a wall there whoa (laughs) and uh we took all that (laughs) out and um I had a friend at the UW, University of Washington, who was a sound engineer who came in and did sound measurements and acoustic measurements in the room and said, hey, these are great. I said, well, we're thinking, you know, the stage is here that we might have to put something up above. He said, no, don't do anything. And so we followed his advice. I mean, we do have uh, the, uh, you know, extra sound support that is really only which is a pretty good sound system. I don't know if you've even noticed the big Mm -hmm. subwoofer and the big speakers and all. Uh, They're rarely needed. Uh, We we use them for enhancement, but uh, lots of people can just play into the room because the acoustics are so good.
0: Yeah. Well, switching gears a tiny bit, um, one time I was playing at another club downtown, um, at the, this place called the music aquarium. And while we were playing, um, two people in the audience were sitting right in front. One person leaned over to the other guy who is a big kind of gruff looking guy in a construction vest, started licking his ear <laughs> and, um, the construction guy turned to him and, and said, what? And, uh, there was kind of a pause and then he did it again. And the construction worker got up, head-butted the guy, knocked oh. over a table with candles on it and drinks uh. and everything, and uh, we didn't really know what to do, so we kept playing. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, that was something I've seen. You're a club owner. Have you seen any like really strange or odd things over the years, ever? I mean, it doesn't have to be someone licking someone's ear, but... Oh, sure. Yeah,
2: well, we've seen some odd things. In fact, for a while, we were keeping a a little book, a private (laughs) staff book, stories we can't tell. Oh, that's awesome. But we've been fortunate. There's never been a fight. We did have one time someone came in, and he was drunk and sat down right in front of the stage and was blocking... Kids view and hmm. and uh, was being kind of loud and um, it just happened that there was an off duty police police officer attending the show a woman and uh, she asked us if if everything was okay and we said this guy went in he didn't pay his cover and so she went over and did an arm lock on him and marched him out the door for us it was great whoa. <laughs> <laughs> So we've never had to call the police, or you know, there have been a few times—not with customers, but with sometimes uh, our street friends will come in uh, and, yeah. and uh, need to be escorted out once in a while. But it's rare. Um, most of the things that are odd stories are just kind of. Uh, sometimes musicians can be eccentric. Oh and, yes, and so we've had a few of a few incidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one time I'm. I, piano player was late for his show and it happened that there was another really good piano player there and the the, the rest of the guys were ready to start and, and the guy said well i'll just sit in until he gets here well when the uh the piano player that was you know signed up to get to to play showed up He saw this other guy at the piano and he charged the stage and was gonna grab him and pull him off and beat him up. (laughs) So
0: that
2: that was a rare incident. We dealt with it, he calmed down, we got it. So another time uh, there was a sax player who uh, was kind of zany and I wish I could remember the names of all these people but uh, in the middle of a show In the middle of a song, he uh, went out the door with his saxophone outside. We thought he was going to come in the side door. Uh, He got in a cab and took off. And his band didn't even know he was going to do that. And he wasn't (laughs) mad or anything. That was his thing. He was going to do something zany, right? So they had to finish the show without him. Whoa. (laughs) I've never seen that happen before. That's pretty interesting.
1: (laughs) Huh. Well then. So So Egan's is, uh, as you mentioned, that you started it to try to give it a a place for younger musicians and high schoolers Uh to get a, um, have a place to play and work on combo work. Is that, um, besides providing a wonderful venue and a place for people to do that, how have you been working on pushing more uh, younger musicians to to be coming out and playing?
2: Well, it's been word of mouth. I mean, we just have, there's always I get email all the time from the the one and the new ones coming up, and it's such a it's so great to see uh, these people go on, um, and a lot of them become professionals and come back and play a lot of uh high school uh players go off to college and then on their breaks they come back and and put groups together and play uh so that we haven't had to really push it uh, although one thing i have uh sort of wanted to do over the years is to find ways to get the various high schools to uh come up with groups that combine uh the high schools like if we could get Mm -hmm. you know uh, we thought about having a contest where to enter you had to have at least three different high schools represented in your in your combo you know Mm. because uh, there's too much of a treating uh, high school jazz at least in Seattle as a competition right you know interscholastic kind of thing like sports rather than uh, just different creative places that maybe could be combined into something even better
1: yep that sounds like it could be really cool
2: yeah we'll see if it happens I do a lot of talk and and then a lot of procrastination (laughs) (laughs) sounds like also a lot of research and VR
0: or something well yeah but (laughs) I don't do that anymore oh okay yeah well um, I almost really don't want to ask
2: this but what is the future of vegans Um, you know two years ago we had thought Okay, this is it. We've done enough. This is let's let's um, sell the place. We don't own the building, but uh, you know we have a, a good relationship with the owners, and that's good. Let's you know uh, see if we can get somebody else to take it over. But uh, we're so attached to the mission and uh, sort of the feel the old time feel of the place that we didn't want somebody to come in and turn it into a pizza parlor or uh, some other kind of club so uh, apartment we, building we started yeah <laughs> we started talking with people and i started writing a prospectus and as i sat down and wrote the prospectus i realized hey this sounds like this is not the right time to be selling this club this community is f- booming there're probably a thousand new living units within you know 10 blocks of the club probably more than that, that. Time. yeah it's probably more than that uh this is not the time you don't um sell low right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're supposed to sell high i think right yeah that's,
0: that's how the <laughs> saying goes well so, that's good
2: so yeah and plus um we weren't done um you know started thinking about well gee you know we haven't done this and we haven't done that and we sure do like on our Days off to occasionally have parties with friends where we have a piano and a a keg of beer and (laughs) you know, a kitchen. So, uh, we're still playing it by ear, we don't have any immediate plans, and we'll give people some warning before we do. Which, uh, because uh, you know, we need to be able to honor whatever shows we book, there would have to be quite a bit of lead time to to you know if we were going to sell it anytime soon mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we're still here we'll see how it goes i tell you as I get older it, I really am grateful to have the routine of doing this and getting me out of the house and interacting mm. with people and all that uh, you know I think it's good I think it's good for the for your mind and your heart to keep uh, uh, keep busy as you get older absolutely yeah. Not that I'm an old 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 person, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool. I'm excited for
0: that. Um I have a couple more questions. Okay. Uh
2: you guys record every show? We do. Uh and the we do that mainly for the musicians. So if they yeah. want a, a copy of that, we'll burn them a copy and Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> th- that's another kind of project that has fallen a little bit by the wayside and I'd love to have somebody volunteer to just take it over but, you know, we have 13 years of recordings of every show that uh, it sure would be nice to put out some compilations of, you know, the best of this or the best of that uh, or Heather's favorite shows or mm-hmm. Suzanne's favorite shows or mm-hmm. Ted's uh, you yeah, know, or, you know, for uh, some musicians to sort of curate their best of but it takes a lot of listening through a lot of um you know recordings to you know that at some
0: point could be maybe a like a cool radio show on
2: k and kx or something oh yeah just to do that yeah yeah it's probably just
1: yeah. the library where people could check out old shows too would be really funny.
2: yeah now the only and uh, yeah i um i, I should say that you know we feel obligated that uh anything that we do with it had would have to have permissions so of the musicians, of course, yeah, so we don't have a mechanism that's really set up to do that except for the people that we're currently in touch with, mm-hmm. so there may be some old shows where we can't even get all of the old musicians, but you know those things can be those things can be worked out
0: they can that's cool. Yeah.
2: yeah so maybe you have a new project max you can
0: (laughs) well you know i mean (laughs) always always at least one new
1: one yeah how far back do those uh archives go um
2: i think let's see uh there's a missing six month period uh i think we started it about six months into Mm -hmm. so that would be um yeah early 17 uh, 20, uh, excuse me, 20, 2007. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So nice. it's uh, at year, wow. 11 years, 12 years, 11 years. It's a lot of recordings. That's a lot of recordings. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, it is. You've so a then, lot
0: of time to go through those. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they're all, you know, one continuous recording per show. Right. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to pick out specific cuts, then you'd have to. You'd have to re- do some editing, It'll, you know, re- it would require somebody who really uh, got into it and wanted to do that. So,
0: and Well, it sounds great in there. I've recorded multiple live albums, actually, at Egan's in the past. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it would be worth going through at some point, I think.
2: Yeah, well, and keep your ears open if you run into anybody who's got an interest in doing that kind of thing.
0: I think sure. a lot of people are interested. I think it's more of a time yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right. definitely. Well, Josh, do you have anything else? Yeah, one question. So
1: you got started in this music club business 11, 12 years ago. Did you have a background in music before you got started?
2: No, I didn't. Although, uh, I mean, I've been around music and and uh, Ted's a musician, uh, although he was also uh an engin- a computer science uh, engineer, computer engineer oh. uh, but uh, my grandfather was a musician um, professional musician in New York back in the teens and 20s uh, 19, 1920s and then uh, that's why it's named Egan's it's actually named after him his name was Jack Egan and he traveled around uh with his orchestra he did some uh light opera composing you know uh but he also was part of the whole tin pan alley scene in new york and uh went to england and uh traveled with his uh his group and he had a piano that he had electrified and Whoa. So he had his stick his <clears throat> you know And his oolah girls that would flash their (laughs) ankles i guess i don't know (laughs) but uh that's where he met my grandmother daisy e daisy forward who was a seamstress in the in the variety theater there in london when he was on tour with his band brought her back to new york they bought a house in brooklyn and uh raised eight kids and whoa so so there was a that bit of history of music in the family but Mm -hmm. and as a kid i i took a little bit of piano lessons and a little a a little bit of violin uh, but i never was any good at it in the last couple of years i've taken up the fiddle again but just on my own and just for my own gratification cool Um,
1: are you gonna play a set at egan's i don't
2: know that would take something for me to do that but uh it's not an aspiration, but it could happen at some point with with a friendly audience. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Well, um, one thing we like to do kind of towards the end of our podcast episodes is talk about upcoming shows. Oh, gosh. And we have a club
2: owner here, so maybe yeah, we should talk about some upcoming shows. If you know. <laughs> if I you know. have the worst memory for what <laughs> shows are coming up. Uh, we do have, uh, I know this weekend we've got Lady A's Back Porch Blues. I don't know if you've ever been to one of her shows, but... No. She puts on a great show and gets the uh, audience involved. It's a lot of uh, sort of combination um, uh, Mississippi blues, you know, that's why it's called ba- Back Porch Blues. A kind well, it's of like songs Delta, about food. Delta blues kind of stuff? or uh, Yeah, but it's... Um, uh got a food kind of focus to it <laughs> that, Never a you know, bad thing <laughs> yeah you know um and uh so she's coming up uh boy if anybody has the calendar now i feel bad because anybody who's playing in the next couple of days <laughs> is gonna be mad that i don't remember that they're playing <laughs> josh you have the calendar up
0: <laughs> no but i've got a
2: couple highlights oh, okay um,
1: the, the calendar is really easy to look up for any of our listeners. It is. Listeners. The website is ballardjamhouse.com Ballard is. Yep. is that right?
2: Ballardjamhouse.com and if you click on schedule calendar calendar, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that'll take you it's usually just the upcoming month so uh, there are lots of shows scheduled out farther than that but uh, and we're, we'll be updating it as we as we fill in the schedule and sure. some uh, uh, well, one thing to look forward to that's not so much jazz, but uh, in March we do Cabaret Month, and that's where every Friday and Saturday is filled with cabaret shows that are organized by uh, the local cabaret association. Whoa. Yeah. So and I like that because then I don't have to book those weekends. So. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, I know that Kareem Candy I think is playing a set um, early on in the month. Yeah, um, Kareem's Max, a regular. Max, your trio. Oh yeah, trio. I'm playing uh, there yeah, on the tenth. That's right. That's right. Yeah, on the tenth. Yeah. Yeah. With
0: uh, a, speaking of high school groups, with uh, a group with one of my students leading it before that set. Uh-huh. His name is Josh Seitala. He's a drummer too. Yeah, yeah, cool. uh, yeah that's on the tenth
1: jordan weigert's got a quartet playing on the 24th too oh yeah like.
0: jordan he's a nice drummer oh uh, there are tons of people playing here oh yeah you know those interested should just go to the it is the schedule page yeah, okay, not the calendar good. page i oh, was wrong somebody's looking at it. um yeah you should de- <laughs> definitely just go to the ballard gem house website and look up the schedule if you'd like to see because there are too many things to even list here yeah but they're yeah. all look, they all look awesome
1: Lots of jazz happening in Seattle, as always. And yes, indeed. a big, big chunk of that is happening at Egan's. Well, thanks, Josh. Well, yeah. thank you again, Suzanne, for hanging out with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, yeah, thank you for
2: inviting me. Yeah, and once uh, again. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again soon at the club. Yeah, you can find, uh, find
0: us on Facebook again. Give us a like if you'd like. Stitcher, whatever else. iTunes, et cetera pretty okay. much all the other all the other oh, yep all those things <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right that's all we have time for today All right